0: Check in on your friends. You never know how they're doing.
1: So, welcome back everybody. It's your boy. And we are here with um, a good friend of mine that I've known for a long time, Keegan Lewins. Welcome, Keegan. We are so pumped to have you.
0: So pumped to be here.
1: You don't have to talk that close. Well... You don't have to eat the microphone. Are you sure? You're good.
0: ASMR. Yeah, it's good.
1: You're good. So, Keegan, um, I I have a lot of questions for you, but a lot of what I have is more related to part of your life that's more recent than more of the beginnings of your life, but I did want to touch on the start of everything for you. Where you grew up, how was your childhood? Talk about your siblings. Just give everybody a little background on who you are.
0: Okay. I'm the youngest of six. Irish Catholic family. Not so Catholic, but Irish. Not good Catholic <laughs> at least, right? <laughs> I I think on the outside I had a decent childhood. Like my parents stayed together. We stayed in one house. We never moved. There was always food on the table. But i kind of grew up in like a chaotic home so like my dad was an alcoholic my mom is i don't know how to describe her sick i'm gonna say sick okay okay um in her own way (laughs) it was it was chaotic um i think from the outside it looked like a good home like a rocky river family home but it was chaotic on the inside it was the youngest of six alcoholic father i have a brother who's got bipolar schizophrenia everybody kind of suffered with whatever that was. Right, right, <laughs> um, I don't know, I think my, my dad wasn't really around much. It was I had a hard time in school and then...
1: When did you notice that your family, because I think everybody looks at other people and goes, mm. especially in the Rocky River community, they look at it as, oh wow, like they have this or, or they seem like they're killing it or I wish I had that family or whatever it might be. When did you notice like maybe yours was a little different in that
0: sense? Hmm. I don't know if there was an exact time. I think I realized my family was different or I was different, honestly, in like second to third grade. I think it was like, you know, that's when the time when you start to have sleepovers with people and you kind of notice the family dynamic when you go over there. Like everybody sat at a dinner table Mm -hmm. and ate dinner with their family and like their dad would tuck them into bed or say goodnight or like kind of like cushy i wouldn't i mean now i would call it cushy because i'm just not familiar with no. it. but like i think i noticed it and and when you started to have sleepovers like the family dynamic was just mine wasn't there like right. i mean still to this day i don't think i've ever heard my dad be like i love you he shows it in his own way but like growing up it was just really weird to see a dad that was loving i was like ew you hug your dad
1: Yeah, that's a different one. I've actually met a couple people. So, like, physical touch was not, like, an affection in in your family. Yeah,
0: yeah. I also think it was, like...
1: Because your brother, Micah, for instance, (laughs) used to show me love by punching me. Yeah, yeah. That
0: was his way of of physical
1: love. He used to tell me to get my fat ass to the gym after school in English and then show me love by (laughs) proceeding to punch
0: Yeah, like, my sisters would hold me down when, like, I was going through puberty and just punch the shit out of my tits nice dude. i'm not even kidding yeah it was just like is <laughs> that hurt now yeah. you're getting there you're getting puberty i can't
1: see emily holding you down and just beating the piss oh you, she was the worst really she was the
0: worst one really yeah because her boobs never grew
1: oh okay so she was just pissed at you <laughs> she was pissed at you dude <laughs> titty drama in the lewins household bro um okay so you like you grew up like that i love your brother tj okay mm-hmm. i know he's been through a million things I wanted to ask you this. I think people have maybe had said things in the past about, or perceived who he was or whatever it might be for those people out there that do have family members, maybe in that same situation, what do you do to still love him without, without, with still keeping that distance? Does that make sense? That's
0: a really good question. And I still struggle with it. I, uh, I think I have boundaries today. Mm. I didn't have boundaries before. Um, I think after losing a brother, like it made me feel like I had to be so close with him because if he ever did die, which I mean is a true possibility with somebody who suffers with addiction, is bipolar, schizophrenic, kind of all over the place.
1: Right. Um, and he's such a nice fucking guy. such a nice guy. You know, he's that's
0: the thing though. He's nice when he's not in that kind of psychosis. Right. So I think what I do now, like I mean, we talk. I haven't seen him in three years, but we talk every once in a while when he, I can tell he's in a good mood. Um, I do have boundaries where we don't talk about family stuff. We talk about stuff that's happening in our personal lives that are unrelated to family. right? Because there are just some people in families that come from a very negative place. And it took me so long to get out of that and not be resentful. And he's still in that place. I put everything that if, if it's an, a negative thought about the family or what I'm doing, it's just not said, and that's where my boundary goes. I love him from a distance, you know. I, I wish that I could be somebody that calls him every day, but it's exhausting for me. Right. So I have it's like a month to month basis on on how he's doing, as to what I can tolerate. Like if he's in a great mood and is telling me what he's doing in his life we can have an hour long conversation, but if I notice there's, there's mania or a psychosis going on, or he's talking about what happened when we grew up, I, I can't be there.
1: Yeah. But you know that at least that's a big thing to know. Yeah. That's a big thing for you to know, probably for your own triggers. Yeah. Right. It's huge. Um, you had grown up through Rocky river, gone to the schools, 2011 comes around. Yes. December 28th was Micah's birthday in Mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. Right. And then January 2nd came around and Micah had passed away. Yes. If you don't mind, run me through that morning for you. Because I think a lot of people have maybe. It's fucking Rocky River, right? So I feel like a lot of people have probably heard what they want to hear, right? And just been like, well, this is what happened. Yeah. Versus no one's ever really spoken about it, like this at least. So I'd, I'd like, if you would, just run me through your day there. Yeah. And then. Uh, detail specifically, like, uh, your emotions. Like, where are you?
0: So, you know what? I, it's, I mean, I go to therapy for this now because I don't, a lot of it I don't remember. I remember, I remember bits and pieces, but like, I just don't, like, things don't connect for me. Like, I remember I had Micah the night before. Let's start from two nights before. Go ahead. So, two nights before, I had, my mom had noticed marks on his neck. Like he had attempted and, um, I was, he was coaching me to sleep over somebody's house almost as if he didn't want me in the home, Got it. you know? And I said, no, that night I said, absolutely not. I, you know, I, let's hang out. We played call of duty. We watched movies. The following night he was like, I'll be fine. Go sleep over Abby's. I went to f- sleep over my friend's house. I had a great night at the sleepover. I, w- I had to be home early cause I had gymnastics in the morning And I guess I had, when I was dropped off, I just missed the ambulance. So he wasn't there when I got there. And I ran upstairs because I love gymnastics. I ran upstairs. I got changed. My mom was like, you're not going. Shelby friend had pulled into the driveway to come pick me up. And she went out to Shelby and was like, you're not, she's not coming. Because nobody knew at this point. So Shelby was like, oh, okay, maybe she's sick, you know? Right, right. So I come downstairs and I was pissed. I was like, why? I fucking love gymnastics. I'm going to fucking gymnastics. What the fuck, mom? Right. And she, I remember she sat me down at our kitchen table and she flat out said, Micah killed himself. Like, not in a gentle way. I remember being like, no, it's TJ. Like, that was my first thought. Like, no, it was TJ. And she was like, no, it was Micah. And I said, where the fuck is he? And so she was like, he's not here. Don't worry about it. And so I go into the living room and I'm like, because I had to be by myself for a minute to kind of process everything. And then, she was like, "You have to get ready. You have to get ready." And I said, "For what?" And she was like, "People are coming over. I have to call the board and da 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 because the school board, which we all know, that was leaked." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so somebody ended up leaking on the school board. I'm not going to mention names, but I found out. My sister found out from somebody else before my mom got to call her.
1: Really? Yes. So I found out at, I want to say it had to have been seven thirty or eight in the morning and Sierra had called.
0: Yeah. So it was had like, gotten what out. The fuck? And I was like, like my sister found out from early somebody on a else Sunday. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my sister's calling us. We now we have to tell everybody else just in case somebody else calls them. And and then I kid you not, it felt like 2 minutes later it was like the football team, the wrestling team, friends, my friends, school, like just you couldn't walk an inch in my house. Like not like, people were crowded outside, inside. I, like, not... We didn't have one moment as a family to be like... What the fuck? What the fuck just happened? It was like, everybody was there, and we were consoling people, and it was just like... I remember this one moment, I, you know, my mom told me to get ready, and I never got ready, because I couldn't go upstairs. Because I knew it happened upstairs. Yeah, of course. So I couldn't go upstairs. She comes down, and she said, "Our," you know... Because people are were here at this point. She's like, are you going to get ready? I said, no, I can't go upstairs. And then she kind of looks at me and she kind of consoles me. And she's like, she's like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, where was he? And she said his room. And then I said, how did it happen? And she looked at me like, do you really want to know? And right. I was like, no, I don't want to know. Right. So it was like, we never had a moment of like, what happened? Here's were the events like it was just like, everybody was there in that moment all day.
1: So, yeah, when you look back at that now, are you. I'm sure it sounds like if you could have done it differently, you would have definitely not
0: had. Yeah.
1: You would have, as a family, been able to sit down. Yeah. Let's deal with this today and we'll go from I there. I felt like
0: we were kind of like robbed of moments. I believe that. And it was just like.
1: I didn't know that at all.
0: Yeah, I felt like we were robbed of moments. And me, just being the youngest kid there, it was like I was robbed of this moment. You know, after the funeral happened and everything, it was like nobody. I was just left there with my parents, and it was like nobody came by after that. Like it was like the grieving had happened for everybody else. You know, maybe there are some friends and a girlfriend, and the grieving. But life goes on, and I was stuck there, like in this house.
1: How was that for you? The realization after all that happened that life does go on, right? Because there's got to be something there when you experience a death where you're sitting there and you're watching other people like it's stupid shit for me even like posting a picture yeah it's like how could you be happy right now you know what i mean yeah
0: and i had like i'm gonna say i mean i struggled like struggled struggled like you had graduated at this point but i was homes like rocky river gave me packets to go home Really? So I could be at home. Yeah, I couldn't make it in school. We were doing Romeo and Juliet that year. And it was like, everybody was like, oh, is Keegan going to cry? Because, like, they both commit suicide at the end, you know? It was just like, t- yeah. it was just weird for me to be back in that school. And Mike, I like, my first day of high school, walked me in with his hand over my shoulder and was like, don't look at her, don't look at her, to all these dudes. It was like, he was my he buddy, was always, you know? Like,
1: I- I'll tell you what, he was always like that with you. Yeah. Ne- and I was never so much with... Um, Emily that I yeah we noticed but with you yeah he 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 definitely was like yo yeah you know keep your hands off yeah you know like a freshman yeah
0: he was like my dad really
1: (laughs) yeah he was I miss him quite a bit that's a he was he was he was a really good person yeah so I remember the first day of school which was the third you know you come back that was the worst day I talked I talk to Mr. Polanski about this actually mm-hmm. on one, one podcast with him he had said that was the worst day of school he'd ever gone to in his life yeah and I'll still agree I, I mean that was I'll never forget it I'll never forget walking into school it was just nobody there even if you didn't know Micah everyone there was like
0: what yeah the fuck? you know what so I random but this weekend I went on the spiritual retreat and people write you letters right and one of these letters that I had gotten was from coach Beth she was my Coach from cheerleading. Okay. And she wrote about the day that after Micah died. And I don't recall, like, I, my brain, this is why I'm in therapy, I do not recall anything after that day. It's one of the reasons she's in therapy. (laughs) I can't think of where the funeral was, what it looked like, who was there. Like, I don't remember things. And she wrote about how she drove me to school the next day. So I went to school the next day, apparently. I don't remember that, but I went to school the next day. Okay. And she was like, you, she was like, I you did
1: go to school the day I do afterwards. Know. You, I, you know what?
0: News to me. I, remember. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I remember that now. I don't know if I saw you, but I remember, I, I don't know. Maybe you had told me. I don't know.
0: I don't remember. Yeah, I guess you were she was there. like, she wrote this letter and she's like, you know, I drove you to school and I sat in the parking lot waiting, waiting just in case you needed somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. So she sat in the parking lot this entire day and she was like, I walked in a couple times to peek at you in your classes, but you weren't in your classes. So like I kind of walked around the school and you were in the um that library thing and the the fishbowl i don't know yeah 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 yeah. used to hang out yeah the fishbowl she was like you were in the fishbowl like consoling people so it was like i like i couldn't process it myself like i don't even remember being at school and i'm just like it's okay yeah
1: yeah
0: you know do
1: you think that that was more of just like a mode that you got into because it was It was like, I don't know what else to fucking do. Yes,
0: about. yeah, 100%. Like, I never had a moment to, like, realize this was happening. It was just like, it was like an external, like, I was watching some movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. I'm so sorry for your loss. Jeez. Not realizing, like, it's about to affect my entire life.
1: Originally, obviously, you're in that state of mind. You, at some point, come to the realization, Mike has gone. Mm-hmm right what walk me through that it like actually set in with you that like my brother's dead he killed himself these are the facts i have to i have to move on now so or i have to deal with these emotions whatever it might be
0: i feel like i feel like there was a sliver of a moment where i said oh fuck like Mm -hmm. he is dead because for whatever reason and this might be too much information but my mom had begged this coroner the people at bush funeral homes like i want to see him before he gets clothes and makeup like i want to see him before they fix him up well he was an organ donor so they had to do like an autopsy cut basically so we saw him on this metal slab like with a sheet over his dick basically (laughs) and he was cut up and he fell on his longboard the night before so he had a gash in his face and um, he had donated, they took his bones, so his hands were up to his elbow. Oh, he had, fucked. they took his hip bones, so his hips, hips were sunken in. He had no eyeballs, so his eyes were sunken in. It was just like a scene out of a movie that, like... I mean, that's a lot of
1: information you just gave Yeah. Me. yeah.
0: But Dang, it was like, dude, I saw that at 14, did five you, days after why, my brother why passed why away. did you see that? I don't know. I don't know. I gotta ask I, that. I have no idea. And to this day, I've been trying to work out because for years, I mean, I'm gonna say it until... 3 years ago that's all I remembered about my brother was this last picture moment of yeah. when I was like oh fuck
1: Yeah that's that's too much Yeah so I, that was my next question was how old were you cuz I knew it was going to be around 14
0: or 15 Yeah I was 14 before. and it was like I think what she thought, and I, I'm, I'm not blaming for this. I think she thought that it was going to be a beautiful moment just to see him as a raw person before they put makeup on and right. his clothes. And she thought it was going to be a beautiful moment, and what that beautiful moment turned out to was be was horrible. horrific for me. It's been traumatizing for ten years. Traumatizing, <laughs> yeah. Traumatizing. So, it's only I mean, funny
1: because we're laughing about it now. Yeah, yeah it, but me. it
0: royally fucked me up. I think you know that was the moment that I said, "Oh fuck!" Like. He is dead as a doornail, you know. Like he doesn't have organs anymore, you know. And then, I mean, but I, all of high school. I mean, I started drinking at 14, you know. Is so that, like is all. Is that when
1: that happened? Kind of. Oh or yeah. When it turned up, I
0: guess. So like, I mean, I had gone to a, maybe one party with Micah beforehand, and mm. then. I started drinking with friends, you know, I think people were consoling me or wanted to be around. This is genuinely why I think I had friends is because people felt bad for me. And I think that they liked a sob story and they wanted to be friends with Keegan because they loved Micah. You know, I just felt like it was some of the reason why I had friends and they'd invite me to parties. And I I remember at 14 realizing like, I don't have to feel anything if Mm. I drink this.
1: So like Mike and I were not best friends,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I've known Micah forever. Mm-hmm. Always gave me shit, but we were like we we're just buddies. Yeah. How many people were that you noticed? Maybe and the shit irritates the piss out of me. <laughs> is when people like claim to know somebody way better than they do yeah. after something bad happens. I mean,
0: here's what I'm gonna say. In the beginning, it bugged the shit out of me because okay. it was it was it came from everyone. Right. But now that I think about it, because it still happens, but like now that I think about it, I think death is scary. I think that um, when you you lose somebody that's so close to you in age or that you went to high school with, it's scary. And it it touches you in a way. And I think people want to be validated for why they're sad about it, even if they only talk to him twice so if they make up these glorious stories about him then they're validated why they feel so sad so i don't necessarily feel like you don't have the right anymore but in the beginning i was like how fucking dare you
1: yeah i mean even in the beginning for a lot of us i think it was like oh you don't ever want to overstep that yeah and like you had guys like alec who had been best friends, best friends. So, yeah i mean and like to me like him luciano the mcleans
0: rami rami yeah
1: um uh, you know those are the guys that yeah. were always around yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: so, and they took me under their wing for like you could i they knew they love the who, shit out of yeah and
1: i still do i'm sure of it. yeah you know they those are and i'll tell you what you look at all those guys now Fucking awesome people. Yeah. Every fucking one. Yeah. Like the McLean's killing it. Rami's killing like a, it. <laughs> Ramy's gonna have dude on like a football team, dude. I know. He's just popping out babies, dude. Crazy. Fucking crazy. I heard Rami has a huge dick, by the way. That's word on the street. I case. wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't know either, but if you're out there, Rami, <laughs> word on the street, bro. um <laughs> <My God>. So, <laughs> yeah. Nah, I mean, dude, just rumors, you know. That's a good rumor. I wish somebody... No one would ever be like... No one would ever. Shut yeah. the fuck up, dude. <laughs> Shut, up. Shut the fuck <laughs> up, dude. Um, that's hilarious. Full support group, which... Mm-hmm. And you still do. I'm sure you can yeah. call any of them anytime. Yeah. Um, And they'd still be there for you. Uh, as far as your family went, after Micah had passed away was... I mean, it was a rough dynamic or a different dynamic to begin with, right? And then how did that
0: change? Okay. So... <laughs> i mean it was rough it was rough from the beginning um i think after that i think my siblings have a different experience just because i was the one left in the house i okay. grew i grew up with completely different parents than i my not s-
1: stay in the house by the way I, there's no way if i was your parents i don't think i could have done
0: it they're on. never gonna move out of that place really oh yeah, yeah they're gonna die in it okay but I grew up with completely different parents. I was I was fresh. Like, my parents didn't want to go to my graduation because Micah never got to. They didn't want to take prom pictures because Micah never got to. It was like they had one dead son mm-hmm. and not five living children. It was just like... That's a really
1: good way to describe Everything it.
0: revolved around him. I mean, like... I was, neg- I was completely neglected, I felt like. I, you know, I don't blame them, and I want to make sure that that's clear. I don't blame them. I have no idea what it's like to lose a kid. I don't have kids. I can't imagine... What that would feel like. I can't imagine losing a son to suicide, let alone cancer or, you know, like there's guilt that goes in with that. There's you analyze your parenting, you analyze your family like I have no idea what that was like for them. I think now looking back that they were doing the things that they can and felt right in that moment. But I was completely neglected, like absolutely neglected. My dad resorted to drinking. My mom resorted to her bed. She did not get out of bed ever, ever, ever. So it was like, I had to fend for myself. Like, yeah, sure, at 14, you can make a sandwich. But like, there was, we didn't celebrate Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, everything was just off the table. Micah wasn't around, so we don't do it. So it was just like, I grew up with absent parents. Like, they were there, they were walking zombies, but like, I was alone. I was completely alone.
1: That's gotta be hard to navigate too, when you don't know how they're feeling. Right. But you're also so young where,
0: I don't know that's, how I'm feeling. <laughs> and it's probably not even a
1: thought that's crossing your mind. Yeah. Right? You're not, like, sitting there with a logical s- standpoint. Like, even for, like, I mean, we've all been through traumatic events. I couldn't compare to that, though. And the way you handled it, though, and the, still the way you carry yourself is amazing. You had gone through other things to get there. So you had said you were, like, partying through high school and stuff. And I knew that. Cause, you know, one time we went to pick up, uh, I used to hang out with, uh, Zach Morrow and, uh, we used to hang out with, uh, we used to pick up, you know, Sierra Mm -hmm. and she was banging a Killian Olo dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh bro. That's so funny. Anyways, see you. And I remember distinctly picking you up at, uh, Luciano's one time. Yeah. You were turning it up for sure. Um, how often were you partying during high school, and what drugs and alcohol, just dr- what drugs were you using? In so
0: alcohol? I, <coughs> I drank as, like I said, Rocky River was graceful to me. They were like, I struggled, so they were like, here's packets. Do homework at home, like do schoolwork at home. Which okay. I mean, I didn't fucking do that. Like yeah. they, they like it was a mercy graduation for me. Oh, for you real? know, yeah. I mean, I barely graduated. What was your GPA? Probably a two point three. Maybe. Dude, Whatever got, the passing minimum no, is, got, that's where I was dude, at. I got
1: by with a two... No, I don't even think it was. It yeah, was I don't two. know. Whatever
0: the minimum was is what I got. I had to do like an internship my senior year to get some extra credit, so I didn't have to be in school, but I drank, so I was at home. I, and I would go to Mark's and steal bottles of that shitty Kamshitska vodka. I call it Komschitzka because it gave me the shits, but you know what I'm talking about? The, yeah, the The clear bottle that oh, was you're like talking about yeah the
1: stuff that, ta- that like literally tastes like rubbing alcohol.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. <clears throat> yeah but yeah. it was che- it Like yeah. I could put it in my backpack and walk out of Marks, and nobody would no know. Think yeah, I would buy of... a candy bar, and you know, that's
1: wild. so
0: I. And then I would. My dad was making wine at the time, so I would drink his wine bottles. I was drinking. I don't think anybody realized, but I was. I was trying to numb myself any way possible like, this is
1: every day
0: this was pretty much you, every day when you had the opportunity i to blacked stuff. out on the weekends but you know i would take shots to help me sleep like i would i didn't get into drugs honestly i smoked weed once and I had a panic attack and i was like this isn't for me mm-hmm. i ended eventually got into it but i was drinking all the time like i went to the hospital my junior year of high school because i had de- I was i was in dts i was detoxing Like I, yeah, I almost had a seizure. I was seizure. I was puking everywhere. I couldn't stop. My blood sugar (laughs) dropped down to forty two. Oh wow! So I was in the hospital for about a week, and there was like an intervention about it. They were like, I was, I, I blamed it on anorexia that I wasn't eating and that, and then they put me in a psych ward.
1: Where did you go? If you don't mind me, I went Lutheran,
0: the adolescent psych ward. Lutheran Hospital. That was my first stint at a psych ward. So when I was an adolescent, I went to. Uh, or Fairview Hospital at the Adolescent Ward. Okay, But that was because I told them I was anorexic. They found cuts on my arms. They also knew that I had a shit of alcohol in my system. So they were just like- And how old were you? I was a junior in high school.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so that was, okay. Here, let me ask you this. When you were in that psych ward, because I feel like this is a huge misconception. People always want to say, oh, this person's like insane or they're manic or whatever they might be. Let's put them in this fucking psych ward. And in my experience, that's, like, the worst thing ever
0: yeah. for somebody. Yeah.
1: There's no natural light. You're like, it's a prison. I loved it. It's a prison. I mean, I don't know where you went. I
0: loved it. And here's why. Somebody, I felt like in that moment, because I'm in the hospital for a week at this point, because I'm detoxing, and, you know, I've got social workers in there, you know, Child Protective Services came to my house after this. Oh, I believe it. So I, I'm, I'm talking to the social worker, and it felt like at that moment, they were like, we're gonna get you help. Uh-huh. Like, somebody saw me. Somebody so, so saw at that point, me. It was like a relief for you. Yes, yeah, somebody okay. saw me, knew that I was struggling, knew that I needed help. And I had opened up at that point and was like, I'm gonna kill myself. Right. I, like, I, I may not do it, like, flat out with a rope, but, you know, I'm not eating. I'm drinking myself to death. Like, I, I'm trying every way possible at this point to just like die by natural causes. <laughs> so I've, at that point, you know, I was in the psych ward. They had gotten me on meds that helped. They'd is that why you ended like up in their...
1: the psych ward? Just cause you were trying to, to... Uh, Yeah. I flat out told that, them like, I'm going to die. So a year ago today, that was a year ago today. That was my OD. My yeah. Mom, my, I want to kill myself moment.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: a year ago today. A year ago today is when I went down to like detox and then I went to Lutheran. Luther. Yeah, well, yeah, Lutheran. Shout out. <laughs>
0: Which floor were you on,
1: <laughs> dude? I had some. I'm a hot... frequent
0: flyer over there.
1: <laughs> I had some real good looking nurses over there, man. Uh, but I was like coming off of uh, a lot of cocaine, a lot of Xanax, alcohol, mm-hmm. and uh, and then like afterwards, they're like, you know, they pink slip you. Oh right? yeah. So you can't leave. You have 72 hours where 72 you're not hour hold. Yeah. You're not allowed to go anywhere. I'll never forget looking at the nurse. It's like fucking four or five in the morning. I'm still fucked up out of my mind. I'm like, so what would happen? Like, if I theoretically just you know ran out of here, she's like, you'd be arrested. Yeah. And I was like, well, and it's
0: an AMA, so you'd have to. Your insurance wouldn't cover that. You'd pay it full.
1: I was all right. No, you know what? I did have insurance. Cause I, I know,
0: but if you leave against medical advice, they you charge were done. you. Really? Yeah. Okay. In case well, you ever go back. Don't no, yeah, mind.
1: thanks. I'm not planning on it. Yeah, no, that was pretty bad. No, I, and I went there, but they took me to St. Vincent after that. Mm. And bruh, <laughs> I thought I was crazy. Like, I'm doing all right, you know? Because, so, like, there's some motherfuckers in there that are I know, yeah.
0: Well, nasty. the cool thing about Lutheran, though, is they, they separate people who are, like, schizophrenic going crazy and then the people who are just like really depressed and want to kill themselves but that was not the first time in high school that i was in the psych ward okay because my senior year i i tried to overdose on xanax klonopin and alcohol
1: oh really yes and you you probably don't remember any of that
0: no my mom found me which is super shitty yeah because that's her second third because tj has done it multiple times that's her third kid now i mean that's something i apologized to her very, very often for because it's like. But you're doing a Senior okay, year,
1: though. like I mean, I think I think now though for you, even when I see you, right, I can tell that like you're doing good, everything's going well for you. You seem happy. You don't look like you're smoking crack or doing anything crazy. <laughs> you know what not. I mean? Not that you ever looked like you were smoking crack, maybe a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> just kidding, you know? But like I mean, seriously, it's great yeah. to see that. But I think a big part about this is what you're talking about right now is how you've taking the steps to to get there and even like feeling that empathy or sympathy yeah. of like i'm sorry mom like i never meant to make you yeah
0: feel like that you know? yeah
1: so that's that's pretty pretty cool of you actually
0: you know that i mean you that's now. what happens when you like take a deep dive and look at yourself because i mean it took me I, t- 2020 when i finally got sober i mean i had hit a rock bottom think- where it was like I lost my car at that point. I didn't have a place to go. I was drinking endlessly. How old are
1: you?
0: I was 23 Okay. when that happened. Yeah. So I had hit a, an all time low and I was like, I'm going to kill myself or I need to figure something out. And so I cl- ended up calling my doctor. What kind of
1: drugs were you using?
0: Um, I
1: want to go over that. It's important. And here's why So by
0: the end, by the end, I was drinking all day every day smoking weed all day every day taking xanax snorting cocaine to level out so i was just like and i was taking my antidepressants
1: that's interesting (laughs) because i was taking so when i had actually gotten to the psych where this is interesting i'll sidebar this so i'm not trying to make this no 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 but that's we have a lot in (laughs) common Because my whole thing was like, was the balance too. Yeah.
0: You know? I'm like, taking my meds, stock Yeah, yeah. Because
1: yeah. like, <laughs> they're not t- working. I would take my Lexapro in the morning. I was like 20 milligrams of Lexapro. And then I would eat a Xanax. Because I'm fucking still teetering from the night before. Like coming down real hard. And then I'd go to work, crush the day, whatever. And then I get out of work. I'd stop at the gas station, get a couple of them ga- mm-hmm. gas station shots. Mm-hmm. Not quite as trashy as the mm-hmm. fucking vodka. The
0: I graduated rum- Dude, from the, that the, though. The nail,
1: <laughs> the nail polish remover you were drinking, and um, I I would get a <coughs> bag of coke. And then you know how it is though. Like once you get up to a certain point, you gotta you gotta stop you gotta waiting. level out. Yeah, you gotta come back. Otherwise, it gets miserable. Yeah, you know. And uh, but that's real interesting because that doctor at the psych ward was like. Yeah, you, you realize like your your antidepressants are doing nothing. Yeah. They're
0: being completely gated <laughs> by all these drugs and alcohol you're using. I'm like, they're not working. We need a different bed. Oh, I know. I, I was it. on like seven different antidepressants, dude. I was on like 400 milligrams of gabapentin three times a day. I was on Lexapro, Abilify, a Zombie on top of everything else uh, I was, I was on doing. Lex- and I'm like, oh. these aren't working
1: well no they probably weren't dude. no are you like more depressed and i'd be like i'll just eat another xanax yeah, you know? like, all right. yeah. and it was like wait it's three days later yeah um, no so you're using all those drugs now you went to the army yes after high school mm-hmm. let's backtrack a little bit how long were you in the army
0: well right out of high school i couldn't get into any colleges right i had such a low gpa that no college was like not even kent you know what i mean I think I got into (laughs) Kent, I didn't even get into Kent. So I got into a branch campus of Ohio State. And that was like, I got into like a couple branch. I got into a branch at Kent. But it was like, you did it at home. And I was like, I'm not staying here. In no way, shape, or form am I staying in this house. Like, it was my ticket to leave. So I did a, a semester, a branch campus at Ohio State and Newark. And I did ROTC there for a semester. Okay. And when I realized that it was like child's play shit, that I was like, okay, I'm just gonna enlist. So also another thing that happened. So this is a pattern that I have. So like things happen to me and I'm like, I gotta escape, I gotta escape, I gotta escape. No way am I gonna deal with this. If it comes back up, I'll shove it back under. So at Ohio State, I was raped. And that was two weeks before I left for basic training. And my drill sergeant, not drill sergeant. My NCO was like, y- are you sure you want You leave in two weeks? Like, do you need therapy? Do you, like... Yeah, of course. What do you want to do? And I said, no. Let's, we're, I'm fucking going. What do you mean?
1: So you're already, like, pretty traumatized from all the things that happened before. And this is, like...
0: So it was, like, my one place to, like... I got out of the house. I got right. out of the house. I get to a new place. I You know, I, I think things are going to start over for me. And then I just get hit with something else. And I... And they were like, do you... Should... Do should we, and I was like, no, we're going, it's fine. So I shipped out for basic training two weeks later and then I went through basic training and I mean, I did pretty fucking well. I mean, who would have thought like an alcoholic like me in a structured environment with no alcohol and, and shit to do every day would thrive. Right? Oh,
1: dude, idle hands at the devil's playground, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and, and for you to, to notice that about yourself, Yeah. right? That's huge. But I think also, do you think at that point when you were raped, do you think that it got. It was like. It was kind of a knee jerk reaction of, okay, we just keep
0: moving. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. We and, keep moving. Yeah, and we just keep moving. Yeah, and then. So I get home from basic training and AIT. I mean, I had gotten PT awards, distinguished leadership awards. I got an Army Achievement Medal twice. I had been promoted twice. Like it was just like I was fucking gung ho and ready to go. Like mm-hmm. at this point, basic training was yeah, nothing. Fucking
1: Jane over here. Dude. It was nothing
0: though. Like I've be- been I've <laughs> been fearful my entire life. For me to be put in a fearful situation of somebody yelling at me all day, I'm like, bet, bitch. Really? I've been doing this like my whole video life.
1: Of you just taking this because I just can't imagine some drill instructors <laughs> screaming at you and you just being like, okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but I, I mean, I thrived and then I got home and I had an idled time and what did I do? I went back to drinking and, and, and it was normal in the military too. I did, I did one weekend a month drills, but you know, you, <laughs> it was weird if you didn't have vodka in your Gatorade bottle when you were driving your truck. Like Everybody in the army also fucking drinks. Like, I mean, they're kind of like. When
1: you're driving your
0: truck. Yeah, you I'm not like kidding. You like a
1: lesbian on our way to a football. I mean, that's what I there. did.
0: I drove fucking trucks. <laughs> big rigs, 40 foot trailers, MRAVs, Humvees. Really? Yeah. Let's go. Five tons. Do you have your CDL? You know why I had that job? No, I don't. So you have to take an ASVAB, okay? It's out of 100. And then whatever score you get is where it qualifies you for a job. My qualifications, because I got a 42, a cook. Or a truck driver. I said, I'm not going to be a fucking white bitch cook in the military. Absolutely fucking not.
1: Yeah, that would be making sandwiches for the boys. Hell no! Yeah, no, that's rough. So I'm going to drive a fucking truck. Well, that's rough, man. Do you think um, that was a good space for you to occupy? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it was. That yeah. Was good. It was good for you. Because it, it seems like what it did was, even though you did go back to drinking, it, it you th- therefore understood the structure you needed
0: to Yes, but did I succeed. do that? No. I mean, d- did I understand that I it needed time, structure and man. routine? Yeah. But did I want to do that? Absolutely not. No.
1: But, it like, I mean, it's the same kind of scenario where, like, for both of us. We both had, like, overdosed, done way too many drugs, whatever it might be. Do we learn our lesson? No. Right there? No. Like... I'm either, an alcoholic. Even for me, yeah, it, t- it took time for me to be like, okay, like, if I drink, I'm going to want to do cocaine. Yeah. And I'm not going to want a line. I'm going to want a whole bag of that shit yeah and so it's it's but finding that balance of okay i need to stay busy i need to be working this is what i like to do how how important of um so i'll tell the audience this keegan um she paints draws she fixes fucking campers apparently she's but but she's willing to take on new challenges which is something i really admire about you i think it's super cool and how important has that been to you just in your life in general now. And I'll, we'll get back yeah. to the rest of it. But just how important is that?
0: I here, my Here's the thing. No matter how much I've been through, my brain is the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I can think myself into any situation possible. Like, I... So I got to do shit. Because my brain... I'm going to... Flip a script on somebody. I'm going to think you have ulterior motives. Like my brain is going to play a completely different narrative than what's happening. Uh So like, and I'm going to think about it all day. It's going to ruminate. It's like a hamster wheel, just going and going and so going. You're,
1: you're, so you're one of those people though that, um, and we'll get back to your hobbies, but you're one of those people that your emotions consume you. Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah I it. So I have to stay busy. Like mentally, my head needs to be somewhere else. And right. I'm always on a project, whether it's a camper, whether it's painting, whether it's sewing, whether it's cleaning, whether it's cooking, it could be small shit like cooking and cleaning. Like I have to constantly be do, doing something. Okay. And if I, like, I can have idled time where I'm watching a movie, but if I know I'm not invested in the movie and my mind's going elsewhere, I got to pick something up. Got it. Because I will go crazy. I will go absolutely nuts.
1: Do you sleep well at night? Now I do. Okay.
0: I mean, yeah, now I do. I'm going to say better. I'm going to say I sleep better.
1: Okay.
0: I okay. sleep better. Do I, do I fall asleep easily? No. But I sleep better than I did.
1: What was your drug of choice when you were really in the throes of things? I mean, alcohol, I'm assuming?
0: Here's the thing. Alcohol was was my drug of choice because it was the easiest to get. Okay. And the cheapest. If I had endless amounts of money, it would have been cocaine. Because I genuinely thought it was my antidepressant. It got me up. It got me moving. I could think. Yeah. I was happy. Let's go, dude. Like, I was just ready for the world. Like, I was like... Fuck yeah, dude. Let's fucking do this shit.
1: It turns like a. It turns like a. Somebody with an outgoing personality and any sort of egotistical issues or narcissistic <laughs> issues. I'm not talking about myself, guys. No, I totally am. But it just inflates that. Yeah. It makes it so much worse. And that's why I burned all my bridges. Mm-hmm. You know, because. I was just so fucked up, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I'll handle this. I could do this. I could say whatever I want to, yeah. Whoever I want. I don't yeah. give a fuck what they think. And now I look back, and I've read some of those messages, and I'm like, damn. Damn. So, how do you think cocaine fucked your life up?
0: I'm not gonna say it was cocaine singly, but I mean, God.
1: <laughs> well, and the Xanax, because you, because what a lot of people don't understand is when you're mixing them, the effect of the Xanax a lot of the time isn't just the balance, but you, you, you black out. Here's, Especially with the alcohol.
0: Here's what I'm going to say. I think cocaine was a drug that I absolutely loved and that I couldn't afford. So I stopped paying my car payment. I had my car in a parked garage downtown Cleveland so that the repo man wouldn't find it. It had been a year before I had paid my car payment. But
1: next time we parked that at the airport because that's <laughs> a better place to put it.
0: I don't know. They didn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I stopped paying my car payment. I was selling things like objects to make money i you know i I had done some dumb shit to make money you know
1: because like i remember when i lived in dallas with with ubi over here i was working at this um mazda store Mm. and my buddy my old buddy zach was at uh he was like crackheading real hard around dallas and you know the drill with him Mm -hmm. and uh the one day he picks me up dude and he's got a bunch of copper in the trunk that he stole from one Home Depot, and he was gonna go return them at another Home Depot, dude.
0: And I was That's like, smart.
1: Yeah, no genius, dude. Totally genius. And then to make matters even better, there in the vehicle with him was this other guy that he met at a hotel that wanted to do Molly with yeah. us. Yeah. And I was like immediately, I was fuck. I'll never forget calling you because I was fucking pissed. <coughs> but anyways, yeah, that shit is. Yeah, man, you can't be stealing shit and selling no. it. But what was the dumbest thing you've ever...
0: I think the dumbest objects, I just sold my pots and pans on Facebook Marketplace.
1: Pots and pans. What yeah. You just, so you went through... So, like, one day you're like, I, I need through, money. Yeah. And, and where are you selling this at the time? Facebook Marketplace? Facebook
0: Marketplace. I mean, you, you could go to... I would... Uh, clothes. I sold a lot of clothes. So, like, Plato's Closet and... Okay. Yeah, dumb shit. I would steal, like, my sister's prom dresses that they were keeping for keepsakes because it was their prom. Like, I would yeah. sell those. Yeah, I was making... I mean, I would do odd jobs. I'd clean people's houses.
1: Oh, yeah? Dang.
0: <laughs>
1: That's so fucking weird. That's crazy, I, though, but it's amazing what people will do to... Oh,
0: to, yeah.
1: And it's not that you're... And I think what the misconception... Specifically with people that have gone through traumatic events that make them, may, not make them do those things, that lead them to the choice that they made.
0: I think it's my disease. I'm, I'm thoroughly an alcoholic. Okay. And I think that it's the obsession. I have the obsession before I even pick something up. So I have the obsession. Say say this is a beer. I'm obsessing about it, okay? Mm-hmm. The moment I pick that up, then it becomes a physical obsession. But I have a mental obsession until I pick that up. So unless I'm, I'm not on it right now, right. like I'm obsessed with it. I will do absolutely fucking anything to get it.
1: Theo Vaughn has a phenomenal quote associated with what you just said. And it is even has to do with, like, your feelings, right? Because everybody asks me like roger are you an alcoholic are you a drug addict and like for me it's i i don't know i want to say just yes to make it easy yeah but i don't crave alcohol i don't crave drugs i just when i do it i go on vendors
0: here's what i'm going to tell you
1: i want to hear it this podcast not an alcoholic
0: does not fit in one box okay 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 I didn't think, like, when I went to rehab, it was a dual diagnosis center. So I thought I was going there to get help with my mental health. Okay. And then quickly realized, oh, shit, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict because I'm I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that even some of them have their shit together, mm-hmm. but are still, like, you can, <laughs> here's, here's another way I'll put it. Like, I see so many people in Alcoholics Anonymous that have has had amazing lives and are still alcoholics, right. functioning alcoholics. Right. And it's not the fact that I'm like dying to get a drink. I'm dying to drink the next day or I'm dying, or I even wake up drinking. It's the fact that when I drink, I have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. I don't know when to stop. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know if I'm going to buy cocaine. I don't know if I'm going to kill myself.
1: Right. Yeah. See me, you yeah, know, we are, That that's, that. so that's me right there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm an alcoholic then. Cause I... Not that I've ever dodged that or yeah. recently dodged it, but what I have really learned about myself is when I drink, specifically by myself, right? I have no control. Right. I have none because I immediately go to, I want to kill myself. Um, I hate my life. I a negative. I miss negative having place. a girlfriend. A boohoo, Roger.
0: And then you're reaching out to God knows what.
1: Dude, I'm and out I to the ruined, fucking cocaine gods.
0: I ruined back. relationships. Absolutely ruined. Like I had no idea what it was like to take personal accountability. I had no idea what it was like that like my actions may affect other people. Like it was a foreign concept that like I thought like it was it's my fucking life. If you're sad about whatever I did, get the fuck over it. But like I had no empathy, I had no compassion. I didn't give a fuck about what anybody thought or felt it was me 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 Mm -hmm. i couldn't take accountability i gave no apologies you know and and i lost a lot of friends a lot of friends
1: well so i so i'm dealing with that same thing right where my actions created that problem Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm in a situation now where i've tried to apologize to some people you can't and yeah, they're not receptive, which I've understood to be fine. Like I'm okay with it. I've realized that
0: But I are can't you apologizing something. for you or are you apologizing for them?
1: No, I feel legitimately bad. You know, about okay. a lot of the things I said or I did, you know? But I, I also feel like I can't
0: I can't put let me, that,
1: I couldn't put on that apology or like how I feel in their hands. But at some point I I gotta I had to stop chasing it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And I had to just like start moving on. So like some of those relationships that I'd love to rebuild one It's not for me to decide Whether they are there To rebuild or
0: not right. I realized
1: Right And then two I can't spend all my time Chasing it, Right And that's a son of a bitch To deal with Yeah You know Because they're like Man I love this person so much I fucked you over that bad Where you felt like You had to leave mm-hmm. You know And I think that's where I struggle now And when I do drink That's where my head goes Yeah A lot of the time Or like my sister Who's a dumb bitch But Or my sister You know No that. Yeah
0: but here's here's what i'm gonna say there i made a lot of amends in this three years of sobriety right and going into it i had to look at the parts that i played um so i cleared my side of the street you know i i some relationships were rebuilt you know i my best friend today didn't talk to me for two years i made an amends to her and it's we've been together ever since and there are some that do not want an amends don't want to talk to me cannot stand me and that's an acceptance piece for me like right. i have to accept that i fucked up i royally fucked up enough for somebody to be like i could care less what happens to you yeah and that's on me yeah. that's on me
1: that and i'll tell you i i don't think it was to, and tell me how you felt when you got to that space where you realized it was on you that's for me when i felt the, a huge sense of relief in a weird way where i was like That sucks, but at least I, like, own it now Mm -hmm. versus, um, like, all the friends I still do talk to, I'm 20 million times more thankful for them now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, such a shitty part about addiction. Yeah. Um, and I, and I never like to use it as an excuse either, because that's even worse. Well, I was fucked up. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't mean you needed to be treated like that or acting like that. Yeah. Um... What is what is uh, something you struggle with on a regular basis now for everybody out there? Um, I mean, you've heard Keegan talk about how she's got, you know, been through a lot of things, and then how she didn't deal with them in the most amazing way. At first, she, you know, crutched on drugs, isolating herself, drinking nail polish remover basically, and uh, it is, dude, it is, it is, yeah, is and um, but you look at her now, and what have you done that is? Like what? What do you do now that has changed? Where is your head at now? And like, what has made you better? And is it still an ongoing process?
0: It's always going to be an ongoing process for me. I think, I think what was important for me was to develop a relationship with something that was greater than me. And I'm not saying that's God. I'm not saying that's Jesus Christ. If you want to follow a religion, that's great. Not for me.
1: And Keegan hit me up, and that's why we started talking again. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> but it, I had to believe, like, I had to have faith in something that something's got me. And that uh, whatever I have, like, I had to give something control. Because, sure, I could have believed in, an higher, in a higher power. But, like, nothing was bigger than Keegan. Like, nothing. Like, I had control of everything. Because I felt my entire life, like, nobody's got me. And I got to get me, you know? So, I think it was huge for me to realize that there are some things out of my control and I got to leave it to whatever that is that's above me to deal with that to have faith that it works in other people's lives as far as like they're going to be okay you know and some people die some people die I don't know why that is yet you know can't figure that out but it's a huge acceptance piece for me I think another thing is I got to be really conscious of my character defects like I gotta I I I know I'm a vengeful person. I know that I'm stubborn and that (laughs) I'm quick. I'm quick to anger. I am. And I can say things off the rip. I.
1: You got to come to the anger management class I (laughs) was telling you about, dude. Yeah, but I manage my anger. (laughs) Mine's court ordered, but it's all
0: right. um, I'm lazy. Okay. I'm naturally lazy. I don't want to do shit. So I got to be. I I don't. I don't want to do shit anything i don't want to do anything but i know that that's not good for me right you know i know that that's not good for me so i have to have routines and shit in place and i gotta know when to walk the fuck away i need to know when my boiling point is so i can be like hey let's table this i need a second
1: is that during just like intense conversations whether it's friends yeah. or your boyfriend yeah or- it's anything okay.
0: it's with any relationship it's at clear. work it's at yeah i gotta pause let me hit that thing i i, I gotta pause i just got
1: diagnosed diagnose mouth herpes too.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Um, and I think another thing that was huge for me was that I had to find people that were like me. And I'm talking, and you know, some for some people that's Alcoholics Anonymous and for some people it's not. But I had to be around people that thought like me, that wanted to drink like me, that were struggling like me, that had to give advice like I would give advice. I, I mean, it's very comforting for me to be in a group of people that have been through shit and like can still want to live today
1: do you have a hard time relating to people who i mean this is kind of a dumb question based on what you just said but i'll rephrase do you do you have a hard time no i won't rephrase do you have a hard time relating to people that perceive maybe don't even perceive their lives as being like they have gone through hard stuff Mm -hmm. but just people in general that haven't gone through anything Maybe it's not as difficult as you, yeah. but just any sort of difficulty or there's something you'd view as difficult. Do you have uh, trouble relating to them and, and having those conversations because life in their eyes is like so fucking, um, you know, it's like a fucking Cinderella cartoon.
0: I don't think it's that I have a hard time relating. I think that naturally I want to be like, buck the fuck up. Right. But I, I don't have a problem relating. Cause I, I know that they're feeling <laughs> in a sense, some of the things that I feel like, If it's the hardest thing they've been through, it's the hardest thing they've been through. You know, they're still feeling those emotions, regardless of what it is. So I don't think I have a hard time relating or giving advice or, like, just talking about a scenario. Like, if you want to talk about how your your grandparents died, mine did, too. I would love to help you with that. But, I mean, my natural state in most, some, I'm going to say some cases, is buck the fuck up.
1: Yeah. I, I but I, that's
0: that. unfair. That's really unfair, and I know that about me. Is that it's really unfair for me to say, "Oh, you know what? Your feelings aren't valid. You haven't gone through really hard things." It's Look good. at what I did. It's probably
1: hard though in your position to not, not compare subconsciously. Right. Here's Just,
0: the thing. I don't as much anymore because I've I've healed. Right. I've dealt with it, and now I'm in a really good place. And I, you know, I can I can go back to those moments where. You know, and, and it may be, I, I notice with a lot of people, it, it, it's not some of the hard stuff they've been through. It's that they deal heavily with depression and that I can relate to, you know, it's not necessarily that they can pinpoint it to one trauma where they're like, this is where my depression started. It's like, I can't get out of bed. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't eat. I can't sleep. And it's not necessarily like,
1: because my that? grandpa
0: died. Oh my God are you kidding
1: like, w- yeah like in that portion of your isolation was that was that your every day
0: i was i was majority of my days i mean if i wasn't on cocaine absolutely but yeah, me too i mean
1: <laughs> and and here's the thing: the worst thing you could do
0: i went to a psych ward in sobriety
1: oh wow you were in yes okay
0: so my first year of sobriety i had about four months sober maybe five months, maybe six months. I know it was very early in my sobriety. It's the point in time where you start to feel all of the feelings that you suppressed and you have nowhere to go because you haven't developed those coping skills yet. Oh, dude, you can't got, drink. Just, this is like a
1: couple months ago. I just got out of yeah. it. I totally
0: And I, had, I was just like insane. Like I could not get out of bed, could yep. not get out of bed. I was sobbing all the time. And it was just like these emotions that I had suppressed for so long were coming out. And I felt like I can't do it. I can't, I don't want to drink, mm-hmm. but I don't want to fucking be here, you know? So I, I, I went to Lutheran and I said, I'm going to drink or I'm going to kill myself. I, or I said, I'm going to drink and then I'm going to kill myself. Really? So somebody needs to lock me up. Yeah. So I was in the psych ward for about a week in, in sobriety because I had... All of these emotions i had suppressed for 10 You've plus always been years. You're so self
1: aware. It's wild. To Here, me.
0: I'm self aware now.
1: Okay. But you did it at now. that point, though.
0: I know, but it's hindsight. Right. It's hindsight. Like, I can look at scenarios now and be like, okay, that's what I was feeling because I'm able to call those out now. You know, in the beginning of sobriety, I had no idea what feelings were. Like, absolutely zero. Right. I, like, I, I would get anxiety because I'm like, I'm, I've never felt this before. What the fuck is this? You know? And I couldn't even pull it out. In the psych where they've got like, Rehab, I should say. They've got like feelings charts of like smiles and mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these are. Yeah, I don't know like, what they feel the one like. The with the beers. Yeah, on your yeah. So like <laughs> now funny. it's hindsight. Like I can be like, okay, yes, this is what I was feeling in that moment. Or like, I mean, at the time when I was young, I hated my parents. I couldn't stand them. Could not stand them. I couldn't even be in the same room as my dad. And that didn't work itself out until I got sober. A year into sobriety, I couldn't be in the same room with it him like he would make my skin crawl
1: see i haven't talked so so i wanted to talk to you about that but I don't i don't how has your relationship with your parents changed or not changed over let's say from the time you were really resentful and i don't want to say like hateful but maybe yeah. you're full of hate, uh, yeah it was full of hate um to now like how how has that improved or not improved at
0: all oh it's absolutely improved (laughs) Mm -hmm, and i think yeah like before i got sober i i blamed them for everything and it and truly wasn't their fault i mean there are some situations that could have been handled and i think that's just grace like there are situations that i could have handled better i think you give humans grace because they're human and they have human emotions and and sometimes they don't know how to handle things, and they don't handle it in the best way. And I think before I got to realize that, I could not stand them. I blame them for everything. I blame them for why I was an alcoholic. I blame them for why I had depression. I blame them for triggers. And then when I got sober, and I got to work the steps, and I started to realize the parts that I played in that relationship. I mean, I'll take my dad as the biggest one. My, I couldn't be in the same room with him. And then, you know, I I dug deep into that relationship. Is it just because of the
1: alcoholic trigger at that point?
0: No, I mean... Or just, like, resentful? I... He never showed an ounce of love. Got it. He was always... He was a mean alcoholic. He was mean. He was mean, mean. And he would hit the boys. Yeah. He wouldn't hit the girls, but he hit the boys. And I just remember feeling like, you are not a good man.
1: Yeah,
0: you knew that. I hated him. and And I did not talk to him. I mean my from the time that Micah died I probably did not have a meaningful conversation or any kind of positive conversation with my dad and when I got sober I had to dive into that relationship I had to look like the parts that I played I mean I I had to understand that he was going through something just as much as I was going through something and he grew up in a family I had to learn about his childhood he grew up in a family that didn't talk about emotions either and they didn't l- hug and they didn't say I love you it's and it's
1: weird because you know when you see that like I always make an effort to give my son a hug and a kiss and like tell him I love him stuff yeah. like that and I saw that with my kid's mom her whole family is the same way where they don't do like hugs yeah. or anything and you see it portrayed in
0: yeah and and you know what his his view of love is paying the bills and going to work every day yeah and that I, I, I'm going to suffer at this job because he, he didn't really like his job. Right. You know, I'm going to do these things so that you guys are comfortable. And that was his sign of love. And I had to understand that in the relationship that people love very differently. Mm-hmm. And I also had to look at it that, like, as much as he may have done some things, I robbed him of a relationship with me. I completely robbed him. Even if I never got an apology, I could I wasn't in a place to ever forgive him.
1: Do you feel like that was all your fault, or do you feel like he played a role still? And the reason I say that is because I feel like that's kind of a harsh thing to put on you. Here's
0: what I'm going to say, is that I know my role, mm-hmm. and whatever he wants to do with his role is on him. Okay. That's so really I clear my side of the street, and I remember, um, you know when I made my amends to my dad and I had said, you know, I I robbed you of a relationship with me and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And how can we make this relationship work? And he was like, water under the bridge, you know, like he had nothing to say because emotions aren't there for him. And, and our relationship now, and I may seem like the dumbest daughter he has, but like, he's a fix it guy. And I know he's going to want to help or do something. So I have to call him and be like, Hey, dad, What's the difference between a yeah, double A battery gotcha, and a triple yeah. A battery? And he'll be like, "Oh, Keegan," you're but like, that's how we connect. Like, how
1: stupid are you, Keegan?
0: Yeah, but that's how we connect now. But because he's so a fix-it dope, guy. And you know that. So, like, yeah. I
1: deal with. I I don't talk to anybody in my family. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't talk to anybody. I don't talk to my mom. I don't talk to my dad, brothers, sisters.
0: Yeah.
1: I talk to like maybe like an aunt and uncle maybe once in a while, but we're not close like that. And part of me is like, oh man, I really like because I really respect who all those people are. And what they have going on, mm-hmm. but like they just, it's it's not reciprocated. You yeah. know, I'm, you know how you walk into the room and people look at you like, oh, he's fucking crazy. Yeah. Or you know, you, you know the yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I kind of want to ask you. I've removed myself from that completely. Yeah. You know, because that space is not. It's not that it's uncomfortable. I just feel like it's toxic for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So do you think that's a healthy way to handle it, or do you think, you know, because like my trigger with this whole thing was. I was. It was last year. I was on probation. I was already off drugs. I was off alcohol for a couple weeks. And probation, in a lot of ways, was the best thing to happen to me mm-hmm. because it gave some structure. <clears throat> I had to have it accountability. And I just had none. Yeah, I was. I was a mess. It's scary, right? Yeah. But anyways, you know, uh, Thanksgiving was coming up, and we always, you know, do Thanksgiving at a, a family member's house or whatever. And I caught wind that I wasn't invited. But everybody was just telling me that they're not having it, you know? Yeah. Which was, I just ended up finding out later that through my grandma, like she slipped up and was like, Oh, we saw your brother and your sister at Thanksgiving or whatever. And I wasn't invited.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, right. And I was like, Hey, listen to my uncle, to my uncle Tim, I went off on him, you know, and I don't not love my uncle Tim, but I, I still, to this day feel like that was some bullshit not to at least call me. Yeah. And be like, hey man, this is why we don't want you there. Or we don't want, whatever it is. Even if you don't want to explain to me, just yeah. say it. I just thought it was some bullshit. And so a- after that had happened, um, I mean, I kind of just, everybody was just like, I, yeah. I literally was like, fuck everybody. Yeah. Because, because at that point it's like, well, I don't know where you stand and I'm too afraid to get close to you at all. Yeah. And I think that's why now for me, like I'm isolated to a very small friend group and they're all pretty much new people yeah you know
0: and here's what i'm gonna tell you that was my entire life yeah i think i always had new friends new groups because people found out who i was yeah people got to know me and they realized you know you're not that great of a person like you're yeah you sure. kind of suck sure. and then people would move on or not invite me to things or i would have to find new friends groups and you know and right before i went to rehab COVID happened i lost my apartment that's why i was homeless and i asked to come home and my parents said no dang and it was, but here's, but it, it was my fault. Right. I fucked a lot of people over. I fucked a lot of people over and I got to take accountability for that. And, and you know what? Some people might, might not forgive me and that's not on me. Right. That's on them.
1: Yeah. I just, and you,
0: and you got to look at it as like, you know, someone might not have told you why they didn't want you to be, but. It's a human condition well, Not here's, to have confrontation here's the, kicker about the whole thing
1: Is I don't even blame him For not wanting me there Right Because I look back now I'm like I wouldn't have wanted be there Right Right Because I was unpredictable The month Or no A couple months before that <clears throat> My uncle Mark Had grabbed a beer Out of my hand At a family party And I like Went into the garage And I fucking Threw a Corona bottle in the air And let that thing break Yeah and Fucking I was just I was out of my mind I think I told you that before. Yeah And And Keegan's been amazing To me through this process Because she's we've had other conversations that have been very helpful for me, but what are your triggers now with alcohol per se? Is there anything that you refuse to be around or you can't be around because you're like, I'll dive right in.
0: So alcohol I'm fine. I'm fine with, I haven't been around cocaine or other drugs since I've been sober. And I know that's because, I don't know what will happen. I don't know whether that's do I do it or do I get a severe panic attack because I think I wanna do it. So alcohol is not not triggering for me anymore. I think it's funny because I'll be in scenarios where you know I'm with my friends and they're drinking and they're like, "Oh my God, this tastes like shit," and I'll be like, "Oh my God, what does it taste like?" And I'll mm-hmm. reach for it and be like, "Oh wait, shit! Yeah. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to do standard. that." And like even they'll catch me too. They'll be like, "What?" No, I'll be like, "What?" Like you know. So it's 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 not so much a trigger of like I want to drink. Um, it's triggered. It's like little moments where I forget I'm an alcoholic oh, and yeah. I can't taste something or I can't have a beer. I will say that. For the longest time in my active addiction, I, my disease, my alcoholism hid underneath my depression and anxiety. I thought that if I fixed my depression or I fixed my anxiety, I'd fix my life. I'd stop drinking so much. I could only have one. Like it hid under. I was like, if I was just on the right meds or if I just leveled out or I just... It like hit under that, and and I gotta remember that because the moments when I get complacent and I stop going to meetings or I stop talking to people and my depression gets up, my disease will hit a moment where I'm so low in my depression, it creeps up and it says, "Hey, yeah, you should have a beer."
1: One and it's one, it's it's they're, Yeah, they're one It, it the same waits ones. for me. It yeah.
0: waits at that moment where you know, and I dealt with depression this past past winter, and I. I had to be proactive about it. I was like, okay, I need to get on these meds. I need to make sure I'm going to a meeting at least every other day. I need to be calling people because there there have been moments where I get into that vulnerability of my depression and anxiety and that disease goes, hey, have a drink.
1: So that's, I totally feel that. And like the winter time around here is so brutal. Mm-hmm. And I'm moving, I'm going to be moving out of Cleveland here eventually soon because fuck this place. But the winters are brutal Yeah. And uh, we went out to LA In like February March one of the times And I'll never forget going out there And I looked at Ubi and I go This is the best I've felt Remember that I was like this is the best I've felt in months Because it was the first time Where I was away from that isolation And I was away from that like I don't want to get out of bed I mean I was doing the podcast And like everything but like it was, and it was helpful to talk to people, to get like mm-hmm. tools rolling, mm-hmm. you know, but when you dive back, when you, when you eventually get outside of that miserable space yeah. that you're living in and see things from the outside, looking in, you're like, man, I really fucked this
0: up. Dude. Yeah. You know? And I also think like, I tried the geographical cures. Like I moved to North Carolina and, well, I remember you, and, me and you know what I, I did for a couple weeks have like a, Oh my God, this is great. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to, but that shit finds you no matter where you are. I know that that shit fucking finds you.
1: I think for me, I, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to move South. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I want to move to Savannah. That's where I want to move. Cause there's nobody's fucking there.
0: Savannah's a party town. Listen, you know what? Man. I took a trip, a solo trip, my first year of sobriety, I, on my one year anniversary. I booked a trip to Savannah because I was I like, love Savannah. Though. I loved it, but I, you know, I was one year sober. I went down there solo. I got an Airbnb. I was walking around the town and I was like, "Fuck," because it's bars. It's Everywhere, just bars. Bars.
1: I like it. I, I think I also have a drive to move there in a way, kind of because I was gonna move there like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole thing with my ex and my kids' mother. You know, there was like this whole thing of, you can't move there, this and that. And now I'm in that mode of like, I'm going to move there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll show you I can do it. And like, is it
0: out of spite or is it because you want to move there? No, I there? really want
1: to move. I've always wanted to move yeah. there. I've really always liked it. No, I don't really do things out of spite. I can't anymore. I did, though, for sure. I did a lot of things out of spite.
0: I think my first year of sobriety was out of spite. People said I couldn't do it. This podcast I mean that got me sober for a year and then I worked a program.
1: This podcast originally was out of spite when I first when I first thought of it. I swear to God, dude.
0: Way to be honest.
1: I swear to God, dude. I swear to god. When I first thought about this, I was like, I'm gonna come on here, I'm gonna be a fucking asshole, I'm gonna say what I want, I'm gonna talk shit about, you know, who I remember when
0: you were in that space. Oh yeah, yeah. But right yeah. before I came over, right before you started this podcast. Bro, actually
1: I was looking through messages and it was like whatever, May 22nd. You yeah. were over like two days before yeah. I had to go, deed. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I was a mess and I'm, I'll never forget thinking, I'm going to start this podcast I'm going to say all these things. I'm going to expose all these people. And then like, it was like <laughs> court date, court date, court Humbled. date, probation, Humbled. you know, <laughs> federal subpoena, you know, you need to go here for a, for a, uh, um, a deposition. And I had all these things going on and at the end of all of it by the time the first podcast did come out because mm-hmm. i had filmed four of them and then i was like i'm not putting any of these out because they were just fucking me mm-hmm. you know they were not right and it would have landed me in a lawsuit or j- you know whatever it would have been really bad mm-hmm. so but yeah i a lot of it you're right you're right she just called me on my shit today yeah. i won't edit that out i'll keep that in <laughs> so i look like an asshole but yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it is. It was originally mean out of spite, but now it's great because I could sit down and like hear you say, "Well, I have to stay busy and this and that." Like those are the things for even me and a lot of other people I know that listen that helps so much. Yeah. Because you're not alone. You know, there's a lot of people that maybe feel alone, but they don't realize how not alone they are. Yeah. You know and. Um, but that's interesting the way you talk about those triggers of like, I almost forget, but it's not like a craving for
0: you. Yeah, it's not like a craving. And I think another thing that's that's super helpful for me now is learning to tell people when I'm not okay. Okay. Like normally, in back in the days, I would be like, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. I got this. I got this. And then it gets to a moment where I'm screaming for help. And that's usually in a psych ward, right? So like now when I'm, I'm having these moments of like, I'm not, I can't, I, I'm getting out of bed today, but I don't want to get out of bed today, you know, and I have to tell people like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm getting out of bed, but I'm really not. I'm, I'm not here mentally. I'm not here. And then people, and then people then people dive in and they're like, okay, what's happened in the last week? And then I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, okay, well let's walk through. And then people walk me through why I might be it. And then I'm like, you know what? You're right. It might be because of this scenario. It might be because, because I I have, I am huge. I like my brain automatically from the get-go has been detached, detached, detached. So like the moment something happens, I can't even remember it happens.
1: See, I'm just like you, where I'm immediately like, "Hey, this is happening. We need to separate ourselves here. You yeah. need to stay the fuck away from me, and I'm gonna isolate from you. That's yeah. a a situation."
0: But even like my brain, even like, where it could be a scenario of like, I just had, uh, I call them like Micah moments, almost like, okay. like I'll have a moment of like, God, you know, I wish he was here, and like. And then immediately I disassociate from that. And then I'm like, wow, why am I feeling so shitty today? So
1: do you ever have that feeling like where you're like... "Mm." I still have that feeling with, you know, what I had going on. But like you miss somebody or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're like that pit in your stomach. yeah. And it's sometimes I catch myself... The one time we were driving through the middle of downtown LA. Yeah. This is like last month. And I had that pit in my stomach for like five minutes. Yeah. And it's just like the most miserable feeling ever. But I think now... I don't know. I need to. I need to. I think I need to just keep on the track I'm on. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Because like, I felt bad that we were throwing things at homeless people. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) (laughs) we weren't throwing anything. Toilet paper. Oh yeah, that's right. I
0: thought you were gonna say spoons
1: no dude why oh clean ones
0: you know like the spoon did
1: like for heroin no, no 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 well
0: yeah that could <laughs> like be for heroin spoons? yeah oh, i guess I'm that's talking right talk about
1: drug addicts dude what the god thing? what do you mean by spoons
0: there was like a game in high school that people would play i never played it but like people would throw spoons and okay. if you hit a homeless person you had to go get it
1: dang dude i didn't know that was a game <laughs> yeah
0: i'd play that but people would like t- 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 i take got their- a fucking arm too Yeah, anyways, don't play that.
1: Yeah, dude, Keegan, you see her on the news? God. She's for whipping spoons at people. Well, I really appreciate everything that you've talked about today because your perspective, in my opinion, is one of the more valuable ones that I've ever... And you're, like, such an asset to me as far as, like, a friend because of everything that you went through and then your positive outlook on it. I really think Keegan is kind of one of those people that is more of when you knock her down... Like, yeah, she might be down, but, like, she always builds up ten times stronger. hmm And that has been my hope with everything I've had going on. It was, like, I got knocked down, and then it starts to build up better and better and better yeah. every single time, but I'm trying not to fuck it all up, and just being honest and real with people and yeah. yourself and not oversetting expectations has been, yeah. has been big. So if you had a piece of advice for the audience on, you know, when you are in that deep, dark space like what would you recommend that they do to you know whether it's get help or or talk to somebody or like what works for you um when you need to dig out even if it's just for that moment
0: yeah i think uh moments i think for those really really heavy moments um i gotta take like a big a big step back so like if I'm having this deep emotional, like where I'm weeping and I don't even know why I'm weeping, but I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm having anxiety. I'm weeping. I got to take a step back in that moment. If I'm having a panic attack, I need to do something like physical. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's fucking go outside and pick weeds, I don't know, but like, or even touch like a little, um, like a fidget spinner or something. Like I need to do something physical immediately. Also, dude, good food.
1: Right. good
0: food really helps but you know those are like moment things like Mm -hmm. in the moment to help yourself like good food something physical you could even watch a movie but like you're never going to escape those moments they may keep happening unless you talk to somebody like you have got to talk to somebody and i think another big thing for me was that i was so hell-bent on I didn't need medication when I got sober because I'm sober. I, everything's supposed to be fixed, you know? Like, I think it was, I, I had, I didn't want to be on medication. I didn't want to talk to a therapist. I didn't want to talk to my doctor. I think it's huge for outreach, just for yourself, even if you are kind of doing okay. Are you on meds now? No, I'm, I've, I've been yeah. off meds mm. since January.
1: See, I've been off since... Well, shit. I mean, technically, it's been like a year.
0: Yeah. I usually... So, what happens is I... Like, I have a a treatment plan with my provider. Like, I know that my depression kicks my ass starting October. Like, because I have seasonal seasonal depression. depression So, I... It's going to kick my ass. So, I get on my meds around september it's kicked in by october then i get through all my trauma months of like my rape anniversary Mike's birthday him dying and then you know i have a couple moments after that and then you know february i start to wean off and it gets and then i do it all over again the
1: the only reason i never went back on was because i felt like dude it just crushed my creativity i felt boring It might not
0: be the right med for you, man. And that's what kills people—not literally kills them—but I think some people will try a med for a week and be like, "It's not working," and then never go back to it. Or some people are on it
1: first for me, yeah. I just now like
0: your brain changes, though. Yeah. Your chemical changes. Like, it's a chemical imbalance. Depression is a chemical imbalance. For all you science nerds out there. Um. But it, I've I've been on seven different I I know that now like Selexa works for me okay. I'm on Selexa in in the winter, and okay. it just gives it just helps me. It it's it's not gonna fix everything. That's what I'm gonna say to you is it won't fix everything, right. but it gets you enough just a little bit of a push to be like okay I don't want to get out of bed but, I have to so I am going to. Yeah,
1: not, I don't have trouble getting out of bed anymore. I think more more so for me my fear is, is like, I like. I don't know. I just... I feel like my it creativity could be even like is crazy when, I, when I'm...
0: Because you're got, manic.
1: I got a bumble... I'm definitely manic. I you're manic, dude. Oh, I'm definitely manic, for sure. What, man? Love is waiting for me, dude. Um, not with your intentions. Shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Not with my intentions. Mm-mm. I don't date, actually. I'm totally kidding. This is all... This is like... This is not good. This is such a lie of me.
0: But... I no I, I think um, finding the right med for you, and being patient with meds, and okay. being honest with your doctor. Like, hey, I can't get a, my dick up. He'd be like, okay, let's switch your med. All
1: right, dude. No one ever said that. This I'm just it. saying it's a, it's a issue, common guys, occurrence dude. with
0: antidepressants. I had no libido on Lexapro.
1: I couldn't come honestly on Lexapro. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I, I had zero libido.
0: Do okay. not touch me. Um, okay. Mark Wahlberg could be walking naked in front of me, and I'd be like, "Ew."
1: I'd probably fuck Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg for you then, you know? Yeah,
0: that's fine. If I'm unlucky, it's not I'm not, like, I'm not gay or
1: anything. I just feel—I feel like you're gay if you don't. <laughs> twenty bucks, you know. 20 bucks. twenty bucks is twenty bucks, dude. <laughs> so um, I always finish with this: um, on a scale of one to ten, how happy would you rate yourself to be right now? And if you're not at the ten, what do you think you could do to get there?
0: Mm, good or question. close to there. I'm gonna say right now I'm an eight.
1: Oh, I like that. Wow. Really? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. That's dope.
0: And I think the only reason why I'm there is because I took a fearful jump of switching jobs because mm. I wasn't happy in the work environment that I was in. I took a jump, you know, it's scary. It's scary to do hard things and the jump worked out and now I'm way happier with my job. I got 25 days of PTO a year.
1: Wow. Who's
0: heard of that? Not me. <laughs> And um, my relationships are good. I've I've got a really good boyfriend. I just fixed up this camper that we're gonna be taking around town. And. I, you know, right now, I, I go moment by moment. In this moment, I'm an 8 because I got a good friend by me. We're talking about mental health. I love talking about mental health. I just saw somebody I haven't seen in 10 years, you know?
1: We're going to have Keegan ho- co-host some of these pods, too, I think. So,
0: you know, when you leave, it, it could go down to a 6. I don't know. I'm moment by moment. But right now, in this moment, I'm, I'm an 8. I'm
1: doing great right now. Honestly, this is therapeutic <laughs> as fuck to talk to you, dude. It's always, it's always good. It's always good. Um, So you're an 8 right now. That's awesome. What do you think you could do to improve it? Um, Win the lottery Yeah win the lottery Yeah (laughs) that's the money thing Money can buy happiness Temporarily at least
0: Temporarily
1: Um, So anyways Anything else that you want to say
0: Check in on your friends You never know how they're doing
1: I like that a lot That's a good one That's the best one we've had yet That's the best closing remark Well thank you all for listening I'll put Keegan's Instagram In the comments uh, Or in the description So you guys can follow her She also Uh I think it's Keegan on a canvas. Is Keegan that is? Canvas? Keegan Canvas. It's a pun.
0: Get it Keegan? Yeah. The yeah, Keegan yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. canvas. Oh, yeah. Okay, no idea. Honestly. <laughs> no one gets it. I was playing off like I got it, but I didn't. But, um, uh, but she sells like paintings and she uh renovates campers and does a like, kind of cool <laughs> stuff. So um uh, but we'd love to support her in any way we possibly can for real. So um thank you all for listening. We will be back soon with some more like, subscribe, comment, um, and don't be a
0: fucking dick. Thanks again. See you soon. <laughs> There we go.